Sneaker, sneaker business, business talk. talk. The podcast you cheer for. Sneaker, sneaker business, business talk. talk. It's the Soul Material Podcast. All right, and we're back once again. It's the Soul Material Podcast. Um, it's T Mark the Street Shark. And the OGEO. Welcome. Welcome back to the podcast you cheer for. So we're here uh, for another episode of that sneaker business talk. Um, and this time we're just going to give you that, again, that clarity over popularity and just dive into some of the details of some uh, business moves um, that have been made uh, here in early 2023, um, which was actually a move that has been um, in the making for uh at least a year. Um, so we're talking about um, DMV uh, retailer Shoe City um, um, from our hometown, uh, um, Shoe City, your city, my city. Uh, um, you know, so their store and uh, retail establishment kind of abruptly <laughs> um, came to a closing. Uh, um, and now we just want to break down the layers to how we got here and uh, a couple things about the, the marketplace um, that gave us some indicators that something like this might happen and this might not be the only retailer um, um, that is going through some uh, business uh, ups and downs um, as they are on the other side of this of these pandemic years um, that um, we started talking about and chronicling when we first started this podcast. So um, so I'll kick it to the OG uh, for a little bit and we'll uh, get you started with uh, some of the background of what's going on. Definitely. Well, Shark, you have been talking about this not only all of this year, but definitely part of last year throughout this podcast. It's an ongoing theme, and I don't find it ironic or by chance that things keep occurring and we having to keep on researching and recycling these topics because it's real out here and times have changed. And um, unfortunately, we have um, a staple in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area Um Last 74 years, for me, at least the last 30, um, I remember going to Shoe City as a kid, and um, it was the heart of Baltimore to me. So I kind of had a synopsis of Baltimore and Shoe City being hand in hand. And unfortunately, um, given the times and the climate um, that we have discussed here on this podcast in numerous previous episodes, um, an abrupt close um, from Shoe City is imminent now. Um, according to court documents, they claim that in 2020, um, they had a $280,000 operational loss. 2021, that went up to almost $2 million. We all know what happened between 2020 2021, the pandemic. And unfortunately, Shoe City, unlike SportsZone, who filed bankruptcy in 2017, um, SportsZone did an excellent job of closing stores, trying to minimize its cost. And you saw that visually, even from the outside looking in, to where it they tried to go back to the heart of the basics and things didn't work out. But Shoe City, from what court documents and things saying from the people that they owe and the money and so forth, um, they kept exp- not only expanding to other stores, but kept on getting lines of credit with vendors, banks, and so forth um, during this time. And it got to a point in which um, they had someone who was willing or a company willing to kind of overtake them. Um, and that's the parent company of athlete's foot and that fell through and talking to the shark um, behind the scenes um, me I always think that when something is announced it's like 
almost there. And then what's going on with the Washington Commanders right now, I'm learning a whole lot about the business aspects, not only stocks and bonds, but big sales and acquisitions and so forth. And it usually takes between 12 to 18 months, even if you're lucky. And Shoe City, unfortunately, was unable to maintain and sustain during the time um, that that acquisition was announced and agreed upon. So it did not close and did not go through. And I found it interesting after the court documents went public, um, because it's very rare for a company to overtake a company or make an acquisition that's in debt. So with Shoe City, always family owned, um, once I heard that they were selling, I knew it was an alarm because I know that family and I know how strong they are about that store. And um, I didn't know the, the constraints they were in. But if you go online and now I want to go through all the details of everyone they owe, but they owe every vendor possible to the point that um, vendors were refusing product from them and saying it had to be a COD cash on delivery only. And even before the pandemic, as a shopper, um, I was noticing um, a lot of things. One, it seemed like they had more, I don't want to say rack room shoes type of shoes, but I would just say they had more of like, if they had an Air Max, it was an Air Max that was maybe fourth or fifth tier, and it would be on sale even on other websites, but it'll still be full price shoe city. Shoe city was always known as a place that would move and groove, get high in product. I haven't seen them get a Jordan one since the black and green joints that came out um, with the black suede and the green. And that was the last one that I remember them faithfully getting. And I remember, um, a couple of the flagship stores, particularly Minnesota Avenue in D.C., Eastover right outside of D.C., um, and uh, security in Medallman getting, they did get high-end product. It was those stores that was getting it. And as a shopper and me lurking how I look, I'm like, uh-oh, what's going on? And on a Monday, you know, Monday before last, you know, you go on the website and there was a message up there. And then that Tuesday, all the news broke online. And I'm just shocked and surprised about um, them not being able to close a little bit better or at least change their business model. Look like, again, with a lot of family businesses, unfortunately, um, they can be very strongholders on their business. And I, from what these court documents say, Tony, it was some alarms um, early on. I won't say they ignored, but you keep getting lines of credit and keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper in debt. And um, it's just unfortunate overall because me being from the area, um, being tied with, with the family, them knowing that I was buy, sell, trading, and collecting and so forth, anywhere I went in around the area, Greg was always the best to me. Um, Greg is the grandson of the original owner of the store. Um, but business-wise, it's just unfortunate. But again, um, Sport Zone, Shoe City, who's next now? Because times have changed and um, the shopper has changed, the dynamics have changed, the market has changed. This is just a one unfortunate incident. So, um, you know, from Circuit City to Shoe City, I'm just like, my adulthood, my childhood are two different things now as far as how I'm going to shop and how I'm going to go about things going forth. Yeah, so let's make sure that we capture this, you know, in, in multiple levels here, right? Um, because this is uber important, okay? Um, first of all, how did we get here? <laughs> it's like, why is it happening now? So I'm going to do something that we really don't do. I'm actually going to timestamp this episode so the audience understands uh, the point that I'm about to make. So um, this is uh, April 2023. All right. There's a reason why we're talking about this right now. Right. Um, and what goes on in the world of business um, in April? Tax time. Hmm. All right. Um, so this is 
smack dab, <laughs> you know, correlation to tax filings because it's going to take so long for things to 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 pan itself out uh, in the legalities and the paperwork. Um, and what I mean is the original acquisition that took place a year ago. And then now that parent companies is backing out um, because they're not going to take on um, this like residual debt um, that was going on. And again, that was the parent company to um, athlete's foot. So again, not the strongest uh, 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 parent company to come in and and um, really revitalize this footprint that they had going on. Um, um, unlike a, a, a DTLR downtown locker room, well, they went through multiple phases. Uh, because uh, at one point they were going to go public. Um, then they did the merger with Villa. Um, and then pool their assets together, and then that led to a bigger acquisition. Um, because they were able to, you know, expand their resources and um and and then unify their their distribution online and uh throughout the store so that they get that gave them better buying power uh, um and that's what shoe city didn't seem to have it looked like you know you kind of pointed out with what was on the shelves with the nike where their their tears kind of got phased out right um and what do we know we've talked about this in other episodes where i've detailed the um, the process of rolling out a store and when, especially when Nike had stricter rules on, you know, the saturation of how many stores in a mall they had and then versus the radius of street stores that also had the, um, um, the stuff. So, so you could have opened a store in a major market, but you wouldn't have been able to have Nike in your first year. So good luck staying afloat. Uh, um, so the same thing is that if they're getting phased out, kind of like the, f- Footlocker phase out, but it just it was like quicker, <laughs> um, and um, and and he just didn't see the signature stuff anymore, right? So then you saw a heavier emphasis on the the New Balance um, and uh, Adidas, uh, specifically the New Balance, uh, especially with the ca- local collaborations and, and things like that. Like they really honed in on that, and then apparel um, and trying to get you a deal. And then Shoe City was another one of those stores that evolved um into they took on a lot of apparel then you got into mm. the women's apparel and then the kids um see a lot of people don't understand like the core still starts with menswear and men's footwear but when you keep expanding like that um and then and it to the consumers it's like why don't we have kids like i went through this with another company mm-hmm. where it was all men's and mm-hmm. then the idea of getting kids um um let alone um anything apparel related to women but just getting kids into the store that's a hard concept because you know it's a real estate game right it's just like watching shark tank when they say how are you going to get this product on the shelf because it's going to have to replace another product that's already on the shelf and they have more buying and staying power than you do so um so that's you know like so if you put so you're going to take menswear Mm -hmm. that that has a higher margin you're going to take it off the wall are you going to mm. put up kid stuff mm. with a lower margin? Mm. And then you think that that's going to do better for your business because you just, oh, yeah, because the consumer, they want that. Uh, um, no. Or two complaints from a parent. It's not about what they want. They, what the business has to realize and understand is that the consumer is telling you what they want. You have to know when they're telling you what they want versus when they're telling you, you know, not not necessarily uh what they want but 
what convenience they want, right? Mm. Not necessarily a product. Like they just want the convenience of being able to go like it's on like you're any other department store or something like that and just go around. Well, think about this. <laughs> think about your business, your core mm-hmm. business, your core competency that got you there, and then the dollars and cents that got you there. And then now it's a real estate game. Now that square footage is worth less. But your, your rent stay the same. Your rent probably gonna go up. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, you know what I mean. So then you have to play around with how the racks and the and what sections and the stores you're gonna have and things like that. So that's it's an intricate uh, um um deep dive analysis to the whole. Uh, and when you talk about inventory in the store, you're not talking about product first. You're talking about real estate. How much square footage um uh, do you have to? actually put this stuff out there so you know those are things you you, you got to think about so that's where you get stressed then and then you're getting like um two city wasn't one that took on a, a a ton of name brands um and they 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 wanted to be have more bargain apparel um uh, especially for females too so, uh, to put it. so when you have that you know it was just more about um uh, an affordable look uh, uh, um you know from the beginning to end, top to bottom to your outfit. Like that shoe city, you know, that became a a, a great staple. And then you got some good deals. Uh, um, and um, but what happened, but I just think that um you just weren't ready for the uh the other side uh, of the of the pandemic curve. We talked about the supply chain, the global supply chain effect. Mm-hmm. That's why you kept um getting those lines of credits because your seasons were off. <laughs> so you couldn't sell through your seasons for like two and a half years. Um, and they were always off schedule. Um, so But the quarter think- document says that they're saying that they couldn't get high in product. What you're saying is the actual truth. Yeah. Couldn't I mean, get high in product because of because of yeah, so you couldn't. Up. So when you miss a holiday, you mm-hmm. miss a back to school. Um, um, and then it's also Nike. They're off schedule in deploying the, the release dates that they promised you as well that you signed up for so it was a it was a lose lose and you had to have some susta- uh sustaining uh, uh uh sustainability um and power in that and i just don't think that they i don't understand why they moved the way that they moved because it was such an abrupt stop like you can't go so the shoe city website i love the uh, functioning the function of their website because you can store locate uh, on their website mm-hmm. um so they shut their website down though when they made mm-hmm. this announcement, it was immediately shut down. Like I was literally on the site, was in the store you know, on a Saturday, and then on Monday I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" And then nothing. Uh, um, you know, the sh- the site is totally shut down. It's just a landing page with a message on there. That's the part that scratches my head because mm-hmm. I'm saying if you're about to just you're already doing up to thirty percent off sales and all this other stuff. Um, in in the store, I don't understand if you're about to liquidate or mm-hmm. and, and, and cash out. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, you're still going to take some time. So I get that the cash out isn't like, you know, doors closing in, in two weeks. Um, um, still going to take some time. But why would you shut the website down? Um, mm-hmm. Because that costs no money. Uh, I mean, that you don't have to pay rent. The, the, that is the least overhead. That's my point. The least overhead is to maintain the website or at least keep the website up with the and, and don't let you check out. But let people and then stress the stock locate so that people can just go straight to the stores and get what they want. Um, and they don't have to, you know, go all over the place or whatever. Um, and shark, you know, to answer that, Shark, the, from an internal standpoint, do you think that it was maybe something internal going on to where uh, maybe the staff that was responsible for that? And that's a part of them 
downsizing internally. And I was probably part of it. So you're talking about the overall holistic of saying, hey, it's the way you can actually get product out quicker, more convenient and so forth. We think of something internal that went on, maybe them getting rid of that staff that was a part of that or. Whether you're going to get rid of them or the store employee or, you know, everyone's going to be gone eventually anyway, eventually. right? True. So why this order? That's my point. That's my rhetorical question is, why are you doing it in this order? Uh, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, you're probably going to keep your, like, your warehouse staff the longest, you, you, you know, in, in your in your uh, uh, distribution centers and everything like that. So, like, um, it all depends on what type of e-commerce deal that they had. They mm. might have been, you might have, it tell it, to me, it seems like you had some operation that sat on top of some other operation. It wasn't integrated into what you had going on and you might not have had full control over it. There so therefore, um, you got to sh- shut, flip that switch first. Um, cause that's, that's some of the signs and symptoms. Yeah. You know, I can't, you know, mm-hmm. I can't, can't call it, but I'm just saying like that should have, you, you should have rode that gravy train all, all the way to the end, um, not shut that down first. Um, so it's, re- it's really kick shark. I wanted to let people know, too, for the guys who are listening to this that are not from um, the DMV area, just going down the list. Because I know people are going to assume that Nike was probably their number one or um, number one creditor. And it, it's not. It's actually like at the bottom tier, their number one person that they owed outside of the bank itself was New Balance. They owed New Balance 1.6 million, Timberland 1.4 million. Um, Funding Circle USA, as you mentioned, um, them having the affordable lower end clothing, 1.3 million. Puma, 1.35 million. Then Nike, which is ranked at 664,000. So I believe internally that Nike knew what was going on and stopped things earlier, which was a sign because I saw that as a shopper. And um I'm just intrigued on New Balance, Timberland, and these other brands um, still giving the line of credit they have. So maybe internally, Martin, you think it was a situation in which they were promoting the fact that that parent company of, of that's what was going to t- take over. And that was almost like a good faith thing. Because I don't see how with what was going on after 2021, given what the court documents are saying, that they were still allowed to get these lines of credit um, from these vendors. So you had the experience more on that, but I don't see how that just didn't stop. Like it looked like Nike stopped that because like the high end product to talk about usually comes from Nike, not necessarily anyone else. So I'm just intrigued on um, why Nike is in the bottom tier of their um, debt and balances at the top. I know the balance is popular in the DMV area. But that's very interesting how it seemed like the lower in fashion or so forth with Nike being number one, um, that they aren't the top uh, person that they're in debt with. Well, one I'll just give another like Shark Take example is like you ever wonder when they when the sharks ask the questions of like how much money did you put into this and where did you get this and then then and then like that changed the whole game because they're just like whoa 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 like why did you two million dollars and like where'd you get that from and then how'd you burn through it that fast like now i have a whole different perspective on on your business because if you can just burn through money uh, um, um, the way that you did um and i say that to keep that lens on on this conversation of you know they didn't see the checkpoint like they didn't see the checkpoint to say hey you just can't keep operating the same hmm. right um you just can't you just can't it's you know yeah, you can't keep operating the same because you think that um, it's almost like the solution 
is outside, um, not within. Um, uh, you know what I mean? So it was like, oh, it'll everything else when it'll normalize, it'll get back to normal. No, it won't. It it, it changed forever. <laughs> uh, sure. um, so your frog example is is perfect for this. I'm not sure if you want to reiterate it again that you said in a previous episode as far as the frog being in in in, in the water. This is definitely that example through and through. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a boiling frog situation again. So you know, you boil the water, you put the frog in the water, he'll hop out because uh, because it's hot. He just changed the environment. But if you put the frog in the water and then start boiling it, um, he may or may not get out. Uh, um, and that's that. Uh, you know, so because the frog will stay in the water because when he was in the water, it was once cold. So they are gonna think you know, innately like, oh, if I just stay here long enough, it'll go back to <laughs> uh, uh, the way that it was. And it's like, no, it's going to it's gonna be too late if you don't hop out. So you have to have the situational awareness to to jump out. Um, and this was one of those times. Um, and that's why it feels like an abrupt stop uh, um, from consumer end. But, um, you know, they were on a co- collision course and you're just taking on a um, uh, a little bit too much. So I'm actually not surprised to hear the tears of where the, the accounts are at mm-hmm. um, based on the volume of what they were selling mm-hmm. um, and uh, the the level of product that they had. Like, yeah, so with New Balance and Timberland just makes total sense for, for, for DMV. Just think about all their partnerships and their partner collaborations. That's what I was mm-hmm. looking at before. Mm-hmm. The, anything that they partnered with was New Balance, Timberland, and Puma. They already had another... Uh, what was it like Stokey Project where they had with uh, Emory Jones, where he had a relationship with them at one point in time uh, um, to do the uh, so community rated in- initiatives. Those that's actually something that I have a question mark on because I also worked for another uh, retailer that had a a, a whole uh, a community initiative uh, um, like a department uh, based on that solely. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you and you and you do these things, and then you, there's these blurry lines of optics. Are you doing it for the right reason? Are you doing it, or are you just doing it for the photo op? And like I could argue uh, both sides, mm-hmm. but you know, looking at wh- where Shoe City was and the state of their their company, it just made me wonder. You know. Something didn't happen right on that side of the the house either, uh, um, um, you know, because because you do that, it's like this reverse. It's, they call it's actually called community marketing, where mm-hmm. it's like you take these community initiatives, but it's really to market to the to that community and penetrate um, 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 the the mind of the consumer, like and 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 get that brand etched like outside of the store, you know, and that, as a you know a pillar of a, a community um and um yeah so i just i just wonder you know where some things fell through the cracks with that uh, um because you know that's that's some of the yin and yang that says that these things correlate if you keep penetrating the market in these in authentic ways into the community uh-huh. it will eventually give back to you uh-huh. um, uh, uh-huh. you know what i mean but if uh-huh. you're just showing up oh i see this, i see what you're saying you know what I mean? Like they they don't patron your store. They they'll they'll take the the community gift or whatever it is, but they're not going to patron your store. Um, that meant that whatever your efforts were, it you didn't establish equity in that community brand marketing so that it resonated. And then like through the next generation, right? You're supposed to be getting into the high school kids and to the middle school kids. And then, uh-huh. you know, then they'll, that'll keep recycling um, uh, over time, you know, but it's just, you know, 
having a dance competition in the store and calling the community, you know, I just, I'm just saying, you know, Understood. I, mean? I don't know. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you, Shark, um, lurking is what I call it. Um, it was definitely a change. And I'm talking about going to stores in Baltimore, D.C., Virginia, even the joint that's off of Victory Boulevard, going to a Hampton, Newport News, Virginia. Um, it was times that I thought that I was either in the twilight zone, but it was always more employees than customers. And I'm like, what is going on? This was like even right before the pandemic. Um, and during the pandemic and right after, um, we talked about this in the previous episode as well, where I was, we both discussed how most stores didn't have a grand opening or we're back open. It's almost like things just kind of transitioned to where it was no real big advertising to say to your communities, you just say, hey, we're back. Here's a 50% off day for every, we never saw that. And I thought we would see that from the shoe city. They, they, um, didn't, they didn't do a lot of discounts, but they did a lot of markdowns. Hmm. Uh, um, hmm. So you had to, so you were, you had to be savvy and get around to the stores. Um, and, um, you know, as someone who did these market visits for another store, I would actually um, do what we would call like a, um, uh, a comp shop. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where you would actually go around and look at some of your similar releases and then go to other stores and see how they displayed them, what was going on, you know what I mean? And how they, how they, you know, I'm did everything. And then you come back and you share it and you give those notes. So, you know, comp shopping, that's, this is a little tip tip. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a real thing. From uh, the shark. Uh, and, um, so with that, I was like, you know, shout out to the uh, Shoe City and Military Circle Ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? One of the that, biggest stores. Oh my that gosh! Was, well, I was one of the biggest ones, but <sighs> I, I feel like that that's like that had the highest percentage, at least for me, uh, uh, of a deal sitting in one of the in the back wall corner. Uh, uh, um, you know, and it was always, you know. That was again. They, we went through different eras of mm -hmm. like store management having more control before these cookie cutters came mm -hmm. out. So mm -hmm. you used to be able to have these savvy managers that would just make you, you know, give you an extra deal or something like that if you just had a relationship and you were a repeat customer. Um, and then I think that what happens is on the corporate side and a couple of retailers have tried to do this where you like. You took away some of that relationship by not mm -hmm. instilling it into the next generation of staff. There you go. Uh, and then you tried to replace it with like these watered down loyalty programs or mm -hmm. whatever, thinking mm -hmm. that you're tech savvy and having membership cards and all the other stuff. But it was just like, well, you never put this consumer on that timeline to put them into the mix. So, you know, it never, you didn't have the pieces to educate, uh, um, you know, so that's why a, a lot of, you know, the urban community and some of these retailers, their their loyalty programs didn't stick all the way. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, whether it was online, because you didn't you didn't give enough incentives um, uh, uh, as well. Because if you were already giving away side discounts, then you know you can't be like, yeah, this loyalty program, and you get ten percent off, and they're just like, wait, what? That's that's, that's nothing uh, uh, compared to you know you know other things that you can do. So mm -hmm. anyway, just to Put, wrap this up in a nutshell um, with a couple final thoughts is that um, shouldn't be surprised. Um, again, I just want to put us on this timeline of of tax and business uh, uh, paperwork and everything like that. So these acquisitions, yeah, they take up they take eight to ten months uh, minimum. Uh, um, and then that's and this is why and this is why it takes so long because you know 
you can <laughs> renege um, uh, and move on, and then everyone has to do their separate things. Uh, um, and I think they might have relied on this too much, um, which is why they kept operating the same. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it was just um, like you said, the, um, pointing out the boiling frog situation. I really think that you just didn't see that uh, that that turn uh, of the corner. Like well, you had mentioned, shoe. Uh, um, um sports zone earlier mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and they you know they went back around you know way before the pandemic mm-hmm. but you know they tried to make a whole new brand with the elites and the boutique style they might have been too early for that and the consumer and then wasted real estate um because the where they had those stores it just didn't work out and uh i'd have to look at what shoe studies you know mall versus brick and mortar uh, mm-hmm. um, um, look like um, so again the malls will stick around because I don't see them breaking multi-year leases um, and eating the cost um, I'm not sure. you know, or this court uh, doctor's looking sharp they I'm might not sure. take the last year well I mean mm-hmm. like they won't be the first one to go the the, the, the brick and mortar um, street stores the street stores might go uh, um, depending on where they're at. And then you know the formula because the formula is similar to company I used to work for, you know, with certain neighborhoods or, or where they're probably have these the stores. So they're not, that stuff isn't going to, uh, it's, I think it's going to fade to black. Uh, mm. um, and it's just going to look real discounted because cause it's going to look, the bare bones are, you know, I say go through us by the time we get through back to school and get to fall and in the winter season, you know, like what is the store going to look like with yeah the skeleton of not getting <laughs> uh, um, on any new stuff. Uh, um, so they, I think they'll just go through, sell through what they have um, and, and what's on deck um, and then just won't be ran up. Um, and um, and then so it's interesting to see what the next phase uh is gonna be we we know that there's no website that you can purchase from uh um and um sure over time um it might be the you know last one in first one out situation so some so you know some of the newer markets that they went to those might roll out Mm -hmm. uh uh be the first ones to go um as they expanded but the home base dmv you know and then baltimore i think uh you know, some of those Baltimore stores, they'll, they'll be the last ones to, uh, let's say, go into some ceremonious, <laughs> you know, uh, exit or whatever, you know, just to turn off the lights like it's the last episode of the Fresh Prince or something. <laughs> well, you sound more enthusiastic than I do, because given even how the news came about, I don't see that happening. I just see it just being the lights being turned off and that's it. Um, but we'll see. Um, in my closing statement, it's just that I just feel for the employees because you're talking about 39 stores. Um, I think they had 61, 60 employees that worked the corporate and over 200 employees that were part-time and over 150 that were full-time. So um, it's just tough in this climate that we're in to know that um, these guys are going to have to search for work. And again, given they were community-oriented and so forth, I, I know a lot of people um, got their first shot in management and so forth, in stores like a shoe city and so forth, and for it to come to an abrupt end. And given how the economy is right now with jobs and everything, I just keep everyone in, in prayer as far as them finding um, new positions and so forth. Um, but it's the world we live in now. 
Yeah, and that's again, I think that that's some of the stuff that got phased out is people, your hours going to start getting cut. That might have already been happening. Some of those larger locations, uh, like square footage locations, are brought in bad locations. Like I'm thinking like Iverson Mall off the top mm-hmm. of my head. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, there's no way that you're that you're having a full staff cover those stores. Uh, um, there's not enough foot traffic uh, um, for, for you for it to be worth a while. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, uh, always sad news for the human resources uh, and, uh, that come apart with these businesses. Um, but, you know, business is business. Um, so, again, this is why you pay attention. Um, listen to the podcast you cheer for. Get that clarity over popularity. So you, you see what's on the horizon um, um, and uh, understand where uh, the market is. Because not all jobs and not all businesses were meant forever, meant to stay forever. Um, and um, we're in a, a new age. Uh, um, so let's understand where we're at and where we're going. Understood. Uh, but until next time, um, signing off, uh, it's T. Martin Street Sharp. And OGEO, peace to you.